Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday afternoon now, and... uh... Let me take a let me um, develop or work on some ideas I was thinking about and talking about actually yesterday mentioned. This all part of thanks to our good friend uh, Abe Luck, who's covering the uh, Pesach uh, idea talks. And to jump right into it, I was mentioning yesterday the fact, which you usually don't think about, I guess, which is that most Jews didn't actually do the carbon paste out, they just went to the Seder. Um, they were in a minuyim. And obviously that's a very different experience. And it's and and it means that you didn't have to go through the Nisayim, the fire and water, of uh, sort of taking the psychological step of disassociating yourself publicly from the Egyptian god, or at least one of them, from the Tleh. I think everybody knows, you know, psychologists will tell you, sometimes you need to do a certain mindset to be Iker, the bad experience you had before. Uh, and that's the plain meaning of the carbon Pesach, that you have to take their God and Shechter, and that shows you that you're, like, past it. Or at least you're on the road to be past it, at least. But the person who didn't do that and just shows up for the meal, that's good, too. And it would emphasize Hashem said to do that, you know, each... Uh, How's it go? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the very first words in that's the very beginning of the beginning of Pesach. So it's understood that there'll be a lot of people in the Ba'is that they're not going to do the actual stuff, but one person is going to do it on, their, on, on behalf of them. And nevertheless, you have a Klal Yisrael type idea that one does it and Zohar for everybody else. And uh, that's many of our rituals that way. You know, you blow the shofar for everybody, and you read the Megillah for everybody, things like that. And that's called the Klal and the Tzibor, and so forth and so on. Which is, of course, by us, a major mystical element in the Jewish reality. The Kabbalah will tell you that the, the notion of Klal Yisrael itself is an entity, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, but keep it with Pesach and the Seder specifically. So it was just occurring to me that the four sons kind of have to do with that, I think, even though the Arba Bonim is from the Haggadah, from the Mishnah, uh, and originally from Yushalmi, I think. But uh, And, to be perfectly historical, there was a time when none of that existed. You know, the Seder is a historical invention of the Second Temple era. But nevertheless, if the Torah is different to the Arba Bonim, then it's telling you a broader and wider truth, which is from the very beginning in the Chumash times, when the holiday of Pesach was invented, in other words, the original Pesach and then the subsequent ones, which are commemorative, and they're derisive, so God is the one telling you to do that. Uh, and you see the different Pesukim, in other words, it's acknowledging a fundamental truth, which is 
Not every Jew experienced the original Passover in the same way. Uh, and therefore, don't be surprised if different sons, that's just a, a, a expression, you know, it could be a boy, it could be a daughter, you know, it doesn't have to be a son. It doesn't have to be a, a young person, it could be an adult. Different Jews will have different attitudes towards it or different reactions. And that's been true down till today. Okay? So assuming that I said what I said was true, that most people are going to be the Menuhim. So how did people react at that first Seder? And at subsequent Seders, there's only one or two in the desert. So when they're commemorating, you know, when Moshe is talking to the people, when they're commemorating what happened in Egypt. So, uh, you know, how did that, how did that go? Now, I, I repeat, the Nusach of the Haggadah is a later Nusach. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be rhetorically inflected that way. But the core of it, um, I'm suggesting this is something you can talk about at the Seder. Right? The core of it is uh, more timeless than the document called the Haggadah or the Yisham even. And therefore, imagine if you're talking about the original Pesach or immediately thereafter, and you're talking about most of the people involved. So, you know, how did they react? You know what I mean? The son's going to ask what's doing with the Pesach. Now, one is a Chacham. We ate his Chuk Mishpatim and all that business. I mean, to tell you the truth, if you're from the Menuyim, that fits like a glove. Because anybody's familiar at all, which I think many people listening to this are, with the Mishnais and Pesachim and the Rambam and all that, and Karm Pesach, I mean, it's a happy hunting ground of what-ifs and lumdashib theoretical, you know, questions which don't pop up too much. For example, the Yeshech for the Menuyim and for the Nam Menuyim, the Lemulim Velarelim, the Tamim Lotaharim, is it, you know, for Avadim together with the Nashim, and, you know, what if he had in mind a pigle on the Zerika, not the Shrita, and all the way around? I think you know that. And so, the truth of the matter is, the regular person just sits down and says, if I'm invited, I'm coming. But the Chacham, like a brisker, you know, the Chacham by, the, by nature, if he's thinking rabbinically, right, Talmudically, the Chacham immediately is going to look at this as a Hechatimsa of a million questions. The way they make jokes now, I'm sure you heard this, if the Jews had a Christmas, the way they made the Christmas tree, how big is it, how, how wide does it have to be, what are the materials, and all the rest, that's who we are. So, the Chacham, when he was at the Seder, the first or the second or the third, says, Oh, we got invited. But what about our neighbors who were, uh, you know, uh, it's a mixed couple? Or what about ones in Evid Or ones, or these Erevrah people, can they join or not join? Or what about the fact that most of the people at this Seder are old and therefore. They can't eat a kazayas. And, you know, and all the, again, I'll say it again, all the many questions, which are many, which pop up at the most basic level, once you establish the concept of a seder with menuyim, so as you know and I know, has to be calculated in such a way that there's, there's a kazayas for everybody who's a part of the menuyim. But you can always have people that are extra, like katan and things like that, and, uh, you know, they're not exactly the Menuhim, but they don't take away from it as long as there are people that can can do the Achila. So 
all those nitty gritty questions. That's Moedis for Chukim Asher Eschem. Right? I mean, the Chacham wasn't asking the rules. Listen closely to what I'm going to say. The Chacham wasn't asking the rules of the Mishnayis in Psachim in the last parak, which talks at great length about the order of the Seder, the Manishtana, Hevil, of one of, you know, uh, the Charoses and all that stuff. That came later in history. It can't be in the Chumash. The Pasuk is going, this is a drasha on, it's a Medrash Halacha, you know, it's like a Michilta or something. It's, uh, or Sifri, is it? No, it's a Michilta, I think. The, 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 the four sons, the, or four Psukim, the Pesukim are saying, these are questions your children ask you about the original Passover. Not the Seder. The Seder didn't exist so much later in history. Right? I think many people get that anachronistically incorrect. You know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it can't be but the original one. Unless, indeed, you say refers to whether you can eat Karm Pesach late at night or something like that. Uh, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that the words in the Mishnah are mished. They mix the old with the new, which they're entitled to do. But if we want to, you know, pull it apart and see the original strands and try to figure out and figure out what did the sons at the original table say or the one at the first one in the desert or something like that, they're not going to be asking about Afikoman because that, that word didn't exist. Right now, they could ask about Karm Pesach whether you do eat it all night or, or you know, or or till midnight and all that. That you could ask, but uh, but not the the questions of the order of the seder, which are so important to us today. You know, do you say the Hallel and all the Hallel didn't exist? Correct. Hallel is from Tehillim. That's from King David. Hallel didn't exist. So keep that in mind. Now, so what's he saying? And I repeat, that's a pasuk in the Chumash. He's talking about the Menuhim. That's all I can understand. He said, we're all over here, but, you know, this guy's too old, and this one's too young, and this one's, uh, you know, uh, 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 what I want to say, you know, Chatsi uh, Chatsi, you know, Chatsi Ebed, Chatsi Ben Charen. All those cases, which did exist in some way or another, already in the biblical times. And um, that fits like a glove. Now, that could be of interest even to somebody who he himself did not do the Shechita and the, and, and, the, and the original Karm Pesach and the blood on the walls and all the rest of it. He didn't do it. But he's at the Seder. He's one of the Menuhim. And he's asking questions which are perfectly valid questions. Okay? Perfectly valid questions. And um, let's take a look at the Russia. As I mentioned yesterday, the Russia brings up a, a basic good point. Meaning, you didn't do the Karm Pesach. If you were the one who risked your life and all the rest of it. Okay. Then you can sit around and, you know, eat the original Karm Pesach. And so on and so forth. Right? You can say, you know, you know, not, not, not precisely those words, but, you know, equivalent. But if you didn't do anything, you just were lucky enough that you had a cousin or a next-door neighbor or somebody that was in the JDL 
And he says, I'll take on these diamonds, the heck with them, and so on and so forth. Come to Gansa Egypt and Bud. And then he did it and got away with it. And now he invites you to a meal. And you came to the meal. What are you doing eating the matzah and the mara and the this and that and the other? You know, <laughs> what's the significance of it to you? You, you, you didn't do the carbon Pesach. They can say, I'm eating the carbon Pesach. And that is 100% true. But the eating of the carbon Pesach, has that, you know, show anything, do anything? Now, you could get out of it if you want to be that way. And you could say, well, listen, you know, they didn't know the Egyptians wouldn't come and raid the houses that night. They didn't know that till midnight. Eh. It's so full of Midrashim and things, it's hard to, you know, get it because they say, you know, there was like the Malcolm of us in the street and all that. So it's it's hard to get at that exact reality. It's hard to recover it. But the fundamental question of Moabot is Oslochem, if you didn't do anything. So basically, it's like somebody saying like this, you know, somebody goes to a seam that another guy made on Shas. And this guy fresses more than anything else, more than anyone else. He takes seconds and thirds and so on and so forth and actually leaves less for the others. And people look at him and say, Moabot is Oslochem. <laughs> you didn't learn anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you're invited, that's fine. All the rest of them. What are you fressing like a pig for? Uh, you didn't do it. The guy finished, you know, this Kavrusa finished Shas. You didn't do it. And that's a hard one to answer. Now, the answer, of course, is since Hashem, now I repeat, these guys had trouble believing in Hashem. That's the whole point of the, what I mentioned yesterday. This this is a transformative experience where you're trying to get yourself out of Elohei Mitzrayim and getting yourself into Elohei Yisrael. That was not so pushed. Okay? And remember, these guys I'm talking about, the Menuhim, they didn't do any kind of heroic deed or psychologically transformative deed. And so they're, you know, grappling out there. They, they went to the original Seder. And it's true, by midnight, by the time the night is over, everybody left. But they left at different states of, uh, of consciousness, of exalted consciousness, shall we say. And, you know, the guy who actually did it himself walked out feeling like a million bucks. But the guy who just went to, this, to see him, like I said, just a hang along, you can't, can't, can't think that way. Or let me put it this way, may not think that way. Or he might answer piously and correctly, look, Hashem said to do it. I'm just, you know, Moshe told me, Moshe and Aaron came and told me that Hashem said, I'm following it, right? He didn't say I have to shaft it. He says I should sign up base of a celebrious. And so that's why I'm here. And I'm being benefiting from what my neighbor did. And that's okay. Because the Achdas of Kla Yisrael is exactly that way. One person can do a if, if many times one person does a mitzvah and Arvis and all that, the other person is Yotzi with it. And that's just fine. Because you want to know something? A day will come when the shoe will be on the other foot. You won't be able to do this in Mitzvah, and I'll do it for you. Right? I'll do it for you. For many years, you were Motsi me. And uh, uh, look, to be perfectly honest, when you get elderly grandparents and that sort of thing, you know, all these, it, it could be, I mean, I'm not wishing on anybody, it could be that for decades and decades, the, the this guy made the Kiddush. And then comes a point in life he can't make Kiddush anymore. But he, he's still at the table and someone else will make Kiddush for him. You know, something something like that. 
right? Whatever. Or Motsi, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. When I'm able to, I'm do it to, to be Motsi you. When I can't, you do it to be Motsi me. That's called a seaboard. That's called an octus. That's called a, a, a claw of a claw you throw. One helps the other. Okay? So again, it wasn't possible probably or practical that each and every Jew would get a, a lamb. Especially if we calculate the way we do the 600,000 times several, you know, so we, let's be very conservative and say there were 2 million. Where are you going to get 2 million lambs? Particularly when most of the animals died in the, in the plagues. 2 million? Right? Where, where are you going to do that? Now, even if it gets, you know, it, if 600,000, it's not 600,000, it's much, much less. It's Be'erich, Be'erich. 60,000 or something like that, which is a lot smaller number, okay? I mean, I wasn't there, but something like that. A lot smaller number. It's much more doable. So when Hashem says, among other things, he's being practical. That's not the only cheshman. When you're talking about God, you can't you know, assign it to a particular cheshman, but it's one of the cheshmonos, you know what I mean? No, there's a rationalist interpreter, interpreter, I mean, from the Middle Ages would point that out, I would imagine. Okay, you know, Rajbam type or something like that. Now, um, so the key point was, now listen closely, the key point was that uh, one does it and the other, so Yotzi together with him, they'll be the Minuyan. What does it say in the Haggadah? Now, like I say, we get a second temple text, but the idea strikes me very powerful, the Hainu. What do we say? Cover Baker. Listen to the words. Since when he says, what's the point of us Menuyim? Or you, my parent, what's the point of the Menuyim? Participating in all this. We didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. Wait a minute. Hashem says, you should all get together to Chosel Aseb in Menuyim. So you're saying, that's ridiculous. You didn't do anything. Especially the one who did, you know, who was heroic, that's one thing. But the one who just coming along for the ride, you didn't do anything. So what do you need a vote for that you have to eat that? Matzah with mara and all the rest of it. Eat whatever you want. Lefisha hotzi atzo min haklal kafir baker. It's literally true. If he denied being part of the klal, if he denied the principle of the menuyim, then he he's an atheist. No, he, he, he goes straight against what Hashem said. Because Rabban Shalom said the words, not me. Rabban Shalom said, you know, and 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 uh, and all the words over there in the pasuk about that. Hashem said to do it this way. You say it makes no sense, and therefore you're not interested in it. You're kaifer baker, right? Does you? It means literally. Not he denied the fundamental principle. Kaifer baker. You don't believe what? What? You don't believe Hashem. I didn't say you didn't believe in Hashem. I said you don't believe Hashem, right? Because he said to do it this way. He said now it makes no sense. Ma voters Hashem makes no sense. Now, I understand from a strictly logical perspective, there is a certain argument to the Russia. But I'm wrong. Why? Because Hashem said, So if Debron Shalom says it, you should say like, you should say like this, Wow, that's a free, uh, a free ticket. I'll take it. <laughs> right? It's a free ticket. If you tell me, I'll give you a, a, a special ticket to get you a million dollars, I'm not going to say it makes no sense. I'll say, I'll grab it. You see? 
So that was the key Iker problem with the Russia, I think. That, you know, he doesn't, he is the Menuhim, of course, but he, he doesn't go along with the principle because it makes no sense to him. And because it makes no sense to him, therefore he won't do it. Okay? Which is a lot of people, right? That's not the only type of Russia out there, but that's a lot of Russias, which is, I'm not doing this because it doesn't make sense to me. To me. Then you get to the Tom, which again, is someone who's in the Menuhim, as I'm saying over here. He's not anti, and he doesn't say, you know, notice he's not coming and denying, but you got to admit, he was living in Egypt, and he didn't do any carbon pesa, but he was told, your uncle's going to go and, uh, you know, shecht an animal, something like this. You don't have to be there, and you're not necessarily going to see it. And I don't think it says, I don't think there's a din, maybe I'm wrong, I don't think there's a din that they have to have the original Seder in the house of the guy who shechted the animal. Um, I don't think so. So it, I, don't, I don't remember saying that anywhere. So think about what I'm about to say. I'm sure you had many cases where one guy did the shrita and the zrika, I mean, and, and the uh, pl- uh, blood on the walls and all that, and all that business. But then he, he wanted to have a bunch of people at that original Seder. And so he got his aged parents and maybe his uncles and aunts. That's probably what people did. And things like that. Along with kids. So where did he make that uh, Seder? By, 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 by his grandfather. Why make him walk to my house? I get a, uh, or dwelling. Walk to his. You understand? So what I mean to say is, here's a Tom. Let's say there's a, I'm, I'm making this up, but you know, th- these these things happen. Let's say, for example, I was the hero and I shechted the animal and I put the blood on the wall and all the rest of it. But as I said before, <clears throat> my grandfather lives six blocks away. And let's say I have a brother that I don't have that much to do with, whatever. My point being, the brother didn't see me do all this stuff. He knows I did it, but he didn't see me. And he's there by the original Pesach. Mazos. <laughs> you know, like, like what is all this? Had he seen the Shrita and the blood on the walls and, you know, things like that, maybe we'd put two and two together. But he's from the Menuhim. He's coming and they're having a, a meal. First of all, why are we having the meal? Second of all, what's this stuff doing here? You know, uh, remember, matzah wasn't necessarily an unknown food in Egypt. Uh, you, you know, we always said halachmania, that, that that was the food the slaves ate. Uh, the original matzah, I'm talking about the non-Ashkenazic matzah, the uh, pitas, the lafas, okay, as the Mephorshim say. So, uh, and then he has this, but you have to eat it, al-matzah zimro, al the Tzliyesh part was probably the Chiddush. I imagine. I'm trying to put myself back in those days. And I'll tell you why I say the Tzliyesh was the Chiddush. Because Sefer Chinuch says, very famous, I'm sure I said this point in the past. I always liked this particular Sefer Chinuch. That, um, uh, why is it Tzliyesh? I mean, the Torah goes through trouble of saying, don't cook it. And don't put it in a stew and blah, blah, blah. Make it sliyesh. And in other words, that's the icker part of the of the carbon. Usually they don't tell you. 
And the answer, at least logically, goes as follows. A slave or a poor person never does roast. Why? Because they don't get meat too often. And if you do, you want to make it go as far as it can go. So imagine, let's say, a poor family long ago. And they usually didn't eat meat, like back in Europe, place like that. Now maybe, I'm talking about a flesh, you know, as opposed to chicken. So flesh they didn't have so often in the old country. Uh, you know, a poor person. So let's say once in a while for Yontif, they, they, they saved up money and, they, and they're going to have bossa, they're going to have flesh. The mother, if she's a good housekeeper, and she has a family, <coughs> she has a husband and children, what's the proper home economics way of dealing with the piece of meat that you went to the trouble to buy because it is to honor Yontav, it's a Simchas Yontav. And the answer is, you're going to try to go and put in some kind of a stew or something like that to make it go as far as it can go. You mix it with vegetables, you mix it with this, you make it that, so that the children and everybody else will, 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 will all be able to partake of it as opposed to if you just have the piece of meat itself. That's a good mother, what I just said. You understand? That's, that's your Bubby's Bubby way back when. Is a common sense. One thing you definitely don't do is you roast it. Because when you roast it, all that stuff drips off. Look, for us who are American consumers, think of when you go for a shawarma. You see, them, you know, they, they have the heat on the shawarma thing. It's not even lamb, but whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's sweating, it's dripping. You see, now we live in America, unbelievable luxury. Or uh, even those who live in Europe, you know, it's unbelievable luxury. But once upon a time, you couldn't afford, right? The poor person can't afford, the slave can't afford to waste all that good stuff. And consequently, you don't roast it. But the Rabbanu Sholom said, specifically to Moshe and Aaron, and Achodesh HaZelochem, right? They should eat everything. Uh, he said you should, you, you should roast it. Okay. So if Hashem said so, Moshe Rabbeinu told the Jews, listen, somebody's got to shech the animal, and then you got to put the blood on the, on the, on the door and all that stuff, and then you got to roast it. And everybody will take you know, and Tachosal said, everybody will, will, will share in this roasted lamb. Um, the Tom is very simple. He said, Mazos. <laughs> you know, like, Vasotzak over here. Uh, what's these funny, you know, ceremonies and things we never do? Now, you can say, I guess, don't you know it's Pesach? Not in the original Pesach, they didn't know it was Pesach. You understand? The, I'll say it again. The person who actually did the stuff knew that there's something special happening tonight. The other person is coming along, he may know or may not. He's a tom. Not every Jew, you know, had had a, uh, what do you call it? Buses nayas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not every Jew had a internet connection. They know all the latest news of it is. They knew that something is happening and they didn't know it's going to end the way it ended that night. That's whole part of the Nisoyim, that they had to trust in Hashem that Egyptians wouldn't kill him. And this guy's showing up, like many others, and he's saying, Mazos. And whatever answer you give him, I don't know, the Haggadah answer or whatever, which is, you know, you explain to him everything that I just said, which is, 
tonight's a, a, a different type of meal. Okay, and actually, I want to tell you what your uncle did. You know, when when you weren't there, uh, he took the carbon pesach, the lamb, and he shechted, and he did all this kind of stuff. Meaning, they had to inform the tums of what had happened because they weren't there, and the significance of what had happened. And I'm sure that was a lot of people, especially. You know, uh, the uneducated, I mean, none of these people were educated. They were slaves. I mean, they have no education. And the men and the women. I'm asking you, of the 600,000 people leaving Egypt that time who had been slaves, was Rova of them Chacham or Rova of them Tom? You tell me. I'm not saying they're all Russia, but were they Chacham or a Tom? I mean, how would somebody be a Chacham? You know, unless, unless you're unusually precocious. In the intellectual sense, and maybe had some, you know, some Jews, some Jews, as I've mentioned before, to Mafarshim point out, had education. They were, as we would say today, house slaves and things like that. That's most likely the ones where you got your chachams from. The guy who wasn't working in the salt mines, but was rather a CPA for Pharaoh or the or, or the the prime minister, you know, Patifar or something like that. But the guys who worked in the salt mines were the guys who worked in the salt mines, and uh, they're toms, okay. Uh, don't go by the movies, you know, that they, they dramatize everything. I would imagine, I wasn't there, but I would imagine, which is what you're supposed to do, by the way, <laughs> on Pesach night, Rove was a Tom, and they said, Mazos, they showed up at a meal, and they're told, you know, do this, do that, eat it this way, and eat it that way. And uh, basically, this is going to get you out of Egypt, or tonight we're leaving. And I can only speculate what these guys thought. You know? Like if you came there and they said tonight we leave and this and that and the other, they said, oh, you know, well, uh, we we'll see, <laughs> right? But at least they showed up, right? They weren't afraid to come. And finally, you have the Shani de Elisho, who again is from the Minuyan period. Now I can't help notice. I'm not sure what to do with this. I can't help notice the double entendre of the words Shani de Elisho. Because it means two things. It means that he doesn't know how to ask. But it also means he doesn't know how to borrow. Agreed? Like a Shomasaka and a Shoal. He doesn't know how to borrow. What was everybody doing? <laughs> right? What was everybody doing the day before Pesach and all that? He said, what do you mean? They're all doing the Karm Pesach. Not true. One guy was doing Karm Pesach for the others. And the answer is, The Jews running around, borrowing, right and left. Gold, silver, clothes, this and that and the other. I'm mean, asked what they were doing. Moshe Arbeim was the only guy that went for the Atzimus Yosef. But everybody else went for, <laughs> for the Atzimus cats, you know what I mean? In other words, they went, went for the cash or whatever they could, whatever they could get. It sounds like any daily show means a person who doesn't have the sense even to borrow. But I, don't, I don't know exactly how to fit that in. I'm throwing this out to you because those of you who are smarter than I will, by the time you come to the Seder, figure out a way to uh, to, to connect that with the Seder. Um, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's the original Passover and everybody's being Shoel and this ain't no daily show. Now, you know, I'm not sure, of course, and it's not a term in the Chumash, so you can't tell, but it is, if I'm wrong, it is one heck of a coincidence. Let me put it that way. It is one heck of a coincidence. And like I said before, you can come with some Hasidic interpretation at the very worst. 
But uh, well, you know, well, we'll see. I'm not. I'm not finished with that one. But the name of the Elisha, of course, was, you know, the, 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 I mean, Mom's the blockheads. You, you know, you're. In, you, well, I shouldn't say that. That's not the right word. I'll tell you why I shouldn't say that. I'll tell you why I shouldn't say. It. Not because of PC. Nebuch, there were a lot of people that were worked to death, were close to death. It's not clear what was the state of the slaves when Pesach came around. There are the there are sources. It's true, you know, the Gemara and elsewhere that say that the slavery had already ended some months beforehand. There are even sources that say, if I remember correctly, that the Yom Kippur before Pesach, the Jewish slave owners let go of their slaves or something, something like that. And we have all kind of strange chazals. But if you put that aside and go Pashup shot, if you go just with the plain story from the Chumash, so they were, Avodim Monil Mitzrayim, they were slaves and they were slaving away. And then all of a sudden, Hashem said, And these slaves threw off the shackles of slavery and just left Egypt because the night of Pesach, Hashem killed the firstborn and the Egyptians said, You can all go. So notice they were slaves all the way through. That's the plain way of reading it. That's the plain way of the story. So then think of people that work three quarters to death. And you said, hey, guess what? Tonight, Moshe Rabbeinu told everybody they should have a meal and get together with friends or relatives, one of whom will do a Karim Pesach. Okay. I mean, I know the movie. I know the story. What if you were somebody, mom, who worked in the salt mines? You're wiped out. You're crushed. I mean, those people also left Egypt. But when they came, so they're in the Menuhim, of course. But let me put it this way. Were they awake at the first Seder was held in the evening? By that, I mean, you work all day, work like a dog. You're wiped out. It's like, you know, you're the you understand? From being crushed by the slavery. And when it says, at Pesachlo, well, that's a later reading in the Yerushalmi. But you can already understand that those people didn't even say what's going on. They just came because they were dragged by their wife. And, you know, they're there. And you have to tell them, listen, I know you're going to find it's hard to believe. But by this time tomorrow, in a few hours, we're all going to be free. And I don't even know if the guy knew what you're talking about. This is sad. The same way when when, when the liberation came in, in 1945 and the concentration camps, some people in the Daily Show, they were so crushed. They're this, you know, I mean, my father was like that. You know, like I told you, he was three quarters dead. Obviously, you knew the Americans came, but I'm just saying it was not physically in a situation, in, in, in a capacity to, to, to respond to this. You know, of course they're happy, but you know, but so the many Jews were like that. So not everybody was like in the movie, big, strong, and healthy. Many of them were the opposite, and uh, but they're part of the claw. And so, what I'm suggesting is, even though it went a little bit long, the Arbabonim were four types of Jews in Egypt, and 
doesn't necessarily mean righteous, wicked, this, that, and the other. It means that they had different experiences of the slavery and different experiences of that meal, especially if they were the Menuhim. And it's only and it's perfectly understandable that three out of four would have complex relationship to this brand new thing called a Seder. Uh, you can't look at it from our perspective today when we've done it for 3,000 3, years. This is what at the beginning. And, you know, it didn't all necessarily make sense. Okay? Now the Chacham's having a grand old time, but, you know, the uh, uh, for the others, like, you can totally understand, like, what kind of a meal is this? And what do you mean we're going to be free? And all the rest of it. I think you hear the vart, and I'm pretty sure this taka works. And that's my thought on the Arab Abonim this year. Um, so I wish you all a good Shabbos. And once again, I want to thank our sponsor and Gluck Plumbing. And I have next week of Mir Hashem, I'll have something else to say on, on, on Pesach. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.